Wake Up with Patty Catter. I love the show. I never miss an episode. It's the best. I turn it on and turn it up. Hello, everybody. You're listening to and watching Wake Up with Patty Catter. So today I have a guest on the show. Her name is Jules Jade. And those of you who have been listening to and watching my show for a long time, you know, I haven't really talked a lot about sex. It's something that is natural human instinct and it's a good thing. Um, Sex can be a good thing, but Jules is here to talk today about her book called The Trap and some of the obstacles that she faced as basically a porn star. There's no other way of putting that, right, Jules? Right. Right. All right. So welcome to the show, Jules. I appreciate your time and I'm very thankful for you, you know, to share your story. I think it's an important story. So if you wouldn't mind, would you just tell our listeners a little bit about when you were growing up, how it was, and then we're going to roll into your story. I like our listeners to have that connection of who you were and where you, you know, where you've been and where you're going. No, of course. No. And thank you, Patty, for having me on your show. It's so important for me to get this information out. And I'm excited about my book. And I totally appreciate that. Um, I was a pretty normal young lady. I came from an Italian family. I'm half Italian, half German, um, Catholic, went to church, was confirmed. Um, just the, the only abnormal, although this happens in many families, was it was a very abusive family. So. Um, And you've heard a lot of this background as far as, you know, when you look at a porn star, that's immediately what people think, you know, how she must have been abused. She must have been raped or molested. What would get her into this line of work? Um, Definitely, they that is a way in where women end up in this line of work. Um, We had a lot of issues at home, you know, with physical abuse, uh, a lot of fighting in the family. Um, my father died when I was in high school, when I was 17, um, almost as in my senior year, he had a brain tumor. Um, so that was very rough on me and rough on obviously everybody. Um, so it wasn't a real supportive, happy family. Um, I was into acting. I've been in like seven musicals, opera singing, the whole deal. So I was always on stage. So that was kind of an escape for me. Um, and I also think it was since I was that personality, it was easier for me to break into the adult industry. Um, I was comfortable with being in front of the camera um, and being around other people, obviously not naked (laughs) by any means. That was different. Um, But it did allow me, um, you know, to have that comfortableness to, to break into that. So besides having the normal appearance of a family on the outside, um, on the inside, it was, it was broken. It was very much broken. Um, and the way I kind of got in is, you know, I, I met my high school sweetheart, as a lot of us have done. You know, you date, and you fall in love in high school and you get married way too young. I don't know about you, but <laughs> it's mm-hmm. happened to many sure. of us. It never seems to last. Um, but he was a porn addict. I, I didn't really know that. Um, I met him at church. I was very much a church person, very... I don't know if you want to say square, but I guess I was, I mean, I didn't have sex in high school. Um, my mom always told me not to mess around with the boys. So, or I'll get the label of being, you know, a slut. And we didn't want that in our very square Italian family. And, um, so I very much kept to myself and 
Um, he was what I thought was very, you know, normal and square himself. But as the marriage very fastly, you know, progressed, um, I saw things were happening within there as far as porn, which really devastated me as a young woman. I just wanted that happy little white picket fence, you know, and a child and, you know, a career in nursing. And um, there's my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we have animals in the house. Um, So, yeah, when I found that out, it, it really it really broke me as a person, as a woman. Um, my self-esteem was never very high because of the family that I grew up in. And to find out your husband is just watching all these naked women having sex on film. I really, it really hurt me inside. You know, it, it, it broke me. Um, and strangely enough, I, I, I took a very strange path. Yes. I would think that women would hate porn, maybe get a divorce or go to counseling. I wanted to know why, you know, and I think I'm a huge investigator pretty much with everything. I want to know why things happen and I'll research. (laughs) And that's pretty much what I did. Um, He was into 1-900 calls. I said, why is my husband doing this? I went and got a job at a 1-900 company. Now, this is a square, I'm telling you, you know, very flat chested, normal woman with no surgery, just you know, I just, I wanted to know, you know, why this was happening and where, maybe where I was failing as a woman, like, you know, was I doing something wrong? I didn't know much about sex. I was really a virgin before I met him. You know, I wanted to know. So that kind of started me on the path. And I thought by going into this, it would heal me. I don't know if it really healed me. It, I don't think it did. I mean, it gave me a sense of what was kind of going on but it never healed me. I was able to go back and say, look, you know, I worked for this one 900 company and these women are all normal housewives. They're lying to you. They don't have great bodies. They have normal bodies. You know, some of them are even in their fifties. They're saying they're Jessica, which with huge boobs, you know, and this is a joke on you. So you're spending all our money and these women, they're laughing at you. They're laughing right? Look at this pervert over here. Let's say this stupid stuff to get more money from them. So you've been taken for a ride. So I, it helped me in the way that I guess I understood, but even me telling him that never took care of his addiction. It, even though I told him what was going on, he still continued on with his addiction. Um, and eventually as time got on, I think I just, uh, I, I just really got destroyed inside. And I ended up getting into stripping at a at Pacers Showgirls in San Diego. Um, I started there because uh, I think I was looking to, I don't know, I think I needed to feel loved or maybe my self-esteem was so low. I, I wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to feel like I was beautiful and that, you know, I was one of these girls. I, I felt I felt just really hollow and dark inside. And I I needed like maybe a self-esteem boost. And then I started making money, you know, and I saw that, hey, I'm not so ugly. Men are paying attention to me. You know, I have this porn addict husband at home, you know, that made me feel so low, but all these men are making me feel good about myself, that I'm just as good as those women that he's watching, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. If you're not getting the attention at home and you're getting it there, then especially as a young 
person, you know, your brain is still developing and you're still, um, on, on this path of trying to figure out who you are. Um, you and I had a little conversation earlier about, um, your book and I think it's interesting how you, so you started stripping, let's get back just a little bit. So you started stripping and then how did it evolve into sex? Well, something happened to me and, you know, again, you know, I was in my early twenties and I was just, I know this sounds dumb. I was, I guess I was still trying to figure out about men because I got married right out of high school. I didn't date too much. I guess I didn't understand the predator side of the man, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And being in that strip club, um, all of us have to drink. I mean, let's be honest. It's, you know, sort of embarrassing <laughs> to get up on stage and take your clothes off for all these strange men. So all of us end up drinking, you know, and this is all my book, kind of the patterns that happen. Um, and then you end up getting almost drunk every night you strip. If you're stripping five days a week, you're drinking five days a week. So I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I drank too much and ended up leaving the club with a individual, um, that said he had a, it was just really dumb, a bachelor party for me to do. And I think I just wasn't in the right state of mind to make the right decisions, made a mistake. And ended up getting raped Um, in that bachelor party. There was quite a few men there. And I'll kind of leave it at that Mm -hmm. for what happened. Um, But it changed me. Um, I went back to the club. Even the girls around me were like, she's not the same. They could tell something changed after that. And this man uh, wandered in there one night. And he was part of the Girls Gone Wild club. He was into porn. He was actually... Uh, one of the photographers or film guys for one of, I won't say too many names Mm -hmm. for a very large name. Everyone would know um, as far as porn goes in Hollywood. And he came up to me and says, um, boy, you can make so much money, you know, a lot more money than I was making stripping. If you just come back and do a couple films. Well, at that point, I think I was so tarnished by the rape and what happened to me. I was like, Oh, well, might as well. I'm already, I mean, might as well go full board at this point. I just felt like I was worth nothing anymore. So my self-esteem that kind of come up a little bit more after that just went, might as well do it all. Might as well make money. Might as well. So I did that. um, And I did well. I ended up on Girls Gone Wild and uh, found out that he was one of the film guys for this big star, a couple big stars. So he pushed it, not pushed it on me, but he said, hey, look, let's do a picture set. Let's see if we can get you into porn. You'll make tons more money, you know, this, that, and the other, and it's glamorous and look at this. And, um, I said, I'll try it. And that's kind of how I, how I got into it. And it's (laughs) funny, the first film I was supposed to do was on nine 11. Wow. So I woke up in LA and it was, (laughs) I mean, if there wasn't any kind of sign, I mean, that would be a big sign, right? (laughs) Maybe I should have turned around. But I woke up in the morning um, and I saw on the televisions, the buildings falling and, you know, instantly, like everyone else all around the world was devastated and said, look, filming is not an option today. That's not going to happen. So I put off the filming on that day, um, but eventually, obviously, went back to it. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that we were talking about earlier before this show is a couple of the traps that were kind of set 
in, in the porn industry. And I couldn't believe either of these two, you know, which ones I'm talking about. And I'll go ahead and let you tell the audience about these two things, the one with the kids and then the other. Well, yeah, there, and I wrote the trap because there's so many traps. I mean, first of all, um, a lot of women get in this industry, not knowing how, how much it's going to impact them in their life. You're going to have, like I told you a scarlet letter on your chest. And I mean, forever, there's no getting rid of that. Um, and then if you try to find a job after you've done so many films, even one or two films, you know, with our lovely internet, which can be, you know, very useful and wonderful in so many ways, but can really, as we've seen on the news and what's happening politically, people are pulling things, you know, from years and years and years ago, back in their face. Look, you said this on the internet 10 years ago, we're going to fire you now. So imagine getting into porn and going, look, I'm done with this. I want a normal job and a normal life. Well, your porn films are there forever. It is not going to go away. So the employer is going to see it. You're going to get recognized. Um, People will find you. So getting a normal job after porn many times is just not an option. It's not an option. Um, So with, with us, that's one thing. And of course, financially, women get trapped because we do make more money probably than the average person. So maybe doctor rates or attorney rates would be somewhere in there. But a lot of women are able to make this money, not having an education, not being an attorney, a doctor, you're still able to make that type of a future for yourself. Now, money would really be the only thing in this whole career, career wise that I'd say is a benefit to this. Because if you want to have a child, as I have children, that's really a problem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, going to school, you know, I try to be a normal mother. I can't be a normal mother because, you know, showing up for the soccer games and going to school, all these children are watching porn and they start in like fifth or sixth grade. Now mm-hmm. they should not be doing that, right? But they are. Yeah. That kind of was a shocker to me. Um, I, you know, I was raised in a super strict home. Besides that, I mean, the internet was very sparse. We had AOL. I would have had to get on this big clunky computer (laughs) in the dining room, you know? Right, Um, right. We didn't have this. Yeah. So it is so easily accessible and you have kids in school, right? And how is that you go into their school and what if one of their friends recognizes you? They all did. They all did. Um, I, I, I wanted to be... I wanted to be able to play both roles, you know, just do this line of work, separate it, be a mother. Like I said, you know, go to the football or gymnastic things, but then it was, it was horrific. I'm not going to lie. It broke my heart and it affected my son big Mm -hmm. time. So I'd walk on to the junior high campus and everyone would scream my name, Jules Jade. Jules J, we've seen your films. We love your films. Oh my God. Oh yes. The junior high little children. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, and for my son that was, is very quiet, very intelligent, but a huge thinker inside thinker. It was affecting him. Like I just didn't know, you know, I didn't know. And um, I hadn't told him I was a porn star. So I hadn't told him. I said I was a model. I felt like eventually this would come out, maybe in high school. I had no idea in junior high or sixth grade were watching porn like you. I was like, well, they're going to recognize me here. 
but you know, maybe high school, if they start watching all wrong. Well, mm-hmm. I was completely wrong. So actually the story is he, uh, I think we talked about the bus situation. Mm-hmm. I think you said the similar mm-hmm. and he was riding on the bus to, to go to school and the children, he was in seventh grade and the eighth graders showed him porn on the bus and it wasn't normal porn, right? It was the crazy scenes, of course, because I don't know what's normal anymore in porn. It's gotten really crazy. Um, bondage, nipple clamps, anal, the whole thing. And um, he mentioned it to me. He said something about it. And I was like, okay, maybe this is the time we need to have the sex conversation. Like, obviously, things are happening in school. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, look, everything's on the table. We have an open family to discuss it. He said, well, the first thing is, um, are you a porn star? Wow. Right. They had probably showed him a scene of mine on the back of the bus and my, my mouth dropped and I was like, oh boy, this is coming now. <laughs> How do I deal with this? <laughs> and I said, yes. And he said, well, can you just tell me why you did this? Cause I, he was horrified. He had gotten into a fight. He said, my mom would never do this. Why would my mom do this? Right. So I had to explain exactly what happened with my past marriage. I was trapped the whole deal. And he was okay with that explanation. He understood, but it was, you know, then we got into, hey, the boys, they said, mom, my first date, or when we have sex, they said to put it in her rear end first. That's where she wants it. Oh, man. Right. And so my husband and I had to leave the room and said, we're going to just leave and gather our thoughts because we were ready to scream. We were horrified. And couldn't believe what we were hearing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We came back and we're like, okay, let's talk about all this. Mm -hmm. So it's a nipple clamp. It's all this crazy stuff. That's not normal sex. I'm sorry. It's a fetish. It's not normal. So we had to explain to him, you know, about all this stuff, but that's what the children are discussing in school. The parents don't want to, they're like, look, don't watch porn. We're not, but we're not going to talk about it. You know, we're going to keep them away from the internet. We're going to have blocks on it. It's okay. No, you need to talk about it. You need to know this is happening and what's happening to the children because they're getting education from the other kids at school. They are seeing it, whether you like it or not. Those other kids have phones. They are being shown and they are talking about it. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. It's very important. Yeah. You know, also when we were talking earlier about the bondage, I was kind of surprised. I guess I've been a little sheltered myself. I, I feel like, but, um, I mean, obviously I know about bondage and I know some of the things that go along with it, but I was shocked about a lot of things that you were talking about and how it escalates from a kid watching a little bit of porn to a little bit of bondage. And then a little bit of basically it's abuse. Um, could you tell our listeners a, a little bit about, um, that trap? It is. And what people have to understand and, and really we're being lied to in many, well, in a lot of ways, um, by the government, by our health services and everything. Um, everyone's saying, you know, porn is healthy. They encourage couples to watch porn and this, that, and the other. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm not here to, obviously I do porn. I did porn. I have friends in porn, like I said before, and I tried to make my book come off as, you know, I'm not bashing porn. I feel like Small amount of people maybe can watch it, get rid of it, go to work. It doesn't affect, you know, because we're all different. Mm -hmm. We can't label everyone in one category. And then there's others just like with 
heroin, cocaine, cigarettes, alcohol, overeating, the millions of addictions that we have will get addicted to it. And there are millions and millions of people that are having problems. It affects the area of the brain where, where addiction affects, right? So the area where heroin and all those other drugs, the exact same area, you get a, a dump, you know, and you, you feel great. It makes you feel great. So when it makes your body feel that way, you're going to want to do it again, of course, just like with any other drug. So with addiction, you know, like I was explaining to you, you may start with one line of cocaine. It'll go to two lines of cocaine. Maybe I'll add some weed in with that or what have you. It progresses. It doesn't usually stay at that one stage because the brain will get smarter and our bodies are very smart. It's going to go, look, I'm going to need something a little crazier to get me off next time. And that's what happens. You won't get that same thing. And so you'll search and you'll find something more extreme, more extreme until you're watching these crazy, abusive bondage films, or maybe you're going a little younger with your women that maybe, maybe say they're 18, but they look like they're 11 or 12. So these things start to happen, right? With addiction. So, and that happens with our, with our children, our children, their brains are forming. Can you imagine they see, and with them, it's all about the shock factor. They don't go, they want to laugh and they want to look up the abuse right away. Right. So they want to, oh, look at this. Look at this. Can you imagine what they're seeing on the internet? Look at this woman. She's hanging upside down, being electrocuted and beaten, you know, on this crazy website, which I won't mention. Yeah. Which, uh, when you right. told me that, I was so shocked. And you were saying that some of these women have hospital visits after their staff. And absolutely. <laughs> oh, my word. You're, this is extreme. And, and we're promoting this. And, and I'm not, again, I'm not against. The women, I, I know the progression. What happens in porn is you have a shelf life. So you start with girl, girl, and then you kind of, you do that for a while because you want to be marketable, right? You don't want to do it all at once. You'll lose everything. You'll start with girl, girl. You do boy, girl. Maybe you'll add maybe a three-way in there. After you've used all that up, then you maybe will go to anal. And then, you know, maybe you'll do a DP. So just like with the addiction for us, in order to be marketable and make money, you have to slowly progress through it. So you're in it for a while, because after the companies have all used you up, then where are you? Mm -hmm. Right. As far as filming. But with this addiction progression, like I said, most of the men, you know, they start here and then they go there. And eventually this addiction progresses into this crazy who knows what. Because all of this is available for free on the internet. So it's, it's very scary. And eventually these men are going to want it acted out. What happens, like we discussed, that they're so into this fetish where this woman's being beaten, you know, and punched and the whole deal. And then who's going to want to do that for them? What's going to happen at that stage mm -hmm. when they need to act it out? Yeah. You have mentioned, you know, missing people where, whatever happened to them, these women who are raped and left for dead. Um, right. I'm sure that a lot of that is fueled by, um, porn, the, it especially is. the extremism. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of things in your book that we're not going to talk about because we want people to purchase your book right, and right. to read it. So where can right. people find your book right now? It's in pre-sale on Amazon, but I think after you 
actually have this podcast out. It will be on Amazon. So it will be on paperback um, June 30th, maybe a little bit before that. Um, I will be doing an audio version of it. I know a lot of, you know, people in general, they're busy. So -hmm. it'll be a lot easier for them to hear my voice and, you know, do it for audio, but it will be available paperback June 30th. Mm -hmm. And this show is actually coming out on June the 25th. So five days before your release. Um, And to those of you who are listening, um, I have a couple of things in my mind. First of all, I can hear some of you already saying, why would I want to buy a book like that? We all are interested in this stuff. Seriously. I mean, um, at, at least for me, a lot of people, um, probably wouldn't expect that I even know anything about sex. I mean, like I'm a nun or something. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but really it's very interesting to see what's going on behind the scenes. And it's very important that we have, um, Jules, your information that you're sharing with us, because, you know, I'm like, I said, I was a little naive on the extremism of the bondage. I mean, when I think of bondage and have participated a tiny bit. I wouldn't even say in like a lot of, you know, okay. I'm going to stop that anyway. Yeah. I didn't get electrocuted. I wasn't like caged up or anything. I could escape if I want, you know, (laughs) um, those are actually really important things to talk about and for people to be aware of, especially for kids. And you don't, you know, you're going to be that parent who's like, Oh, my child would never look at anything like that. No, it just pops up on people's phones sometimes. Um, I remember one time my mom was over to my house and I went to show her something about the 82nd Airborne and I put in something in Google and like I, it was the white, it was the White House site. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I I hit.com instead of gov and porn popped up in front of my mom. I was about to die, I thought. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's embarrassing. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, yeah. Wow. But, um, you know, for kids, like they can, they can do the same thing. It can just pop in a website and it can, one thing can lead to another. And, um, you know, we talk about stalkers and how they start out and it's, we could go down a bunch of trails on this topic. Oh, it's a huge topic. And, and again, I, I do have the little nitpicks, uh, not the nitpicks, but I know that men, they expect my book to be like, you know, what goes on behind the scenes of porn, what happens and uh, do they really come that much? Or, and I do have that up in my book. It's, it's not, it's not completely like, Oh no, this is, this is what's happening. It's pretty much, it's everything because when men want to buy it and I know how they think, um, you know, they, they, they want to know they, a lot of men feel they have self-esteem problems, just watching porn. You know, you have these, you know, dicks, use my French <laughs> penises, <laughs> that are like, you know, 10 and a half inches long or nine inches. And they look at themselves and they go, wow, look at all these men, you know, something's wrong with me or, you know, why, why are they able to keep this hard on for so long? How are they able to abstain? You know, they have all these personal male self-esteem questions. That's true. That are in there. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Why can't I make my significant other come in 30 seconds, you know? <laughs> All of that. And, and that's a whole nother topic. We could go down this problem too, but porn is also causing so many problems mentally for men. I mean, 
they're really having problems. I mean, they contact me all the time. You know, uh, they want these videos, me to make these videos. It's, um, it's called the, uh, what is it? The, the, I don't know. It, I have to yell at them at how small they're the tiny peepee fetish, you know what I mean? And I have to yell at them about how small their, their dick is. And really they have an average size dick, but they feel like they have a problem down there because of all the films they're watching. And that's not the case. It's not the case. So it's either hate themselves or get off literally by being yelled at about how small their dick is, which is ludicrous. It's, it's a crazy fetish. And it's, it's really a sad fetish to me because I mean, you're not all about the size down there. You know, you and I both know as women, you know, we're, we're very emotional. It's how the man treats us. I'm not saying that we like two inches. I mean, I'm not saying that by any means, but that's not as a woman, you know, we're looking for someone to support us emotionally, financially, um, and, you know, lovingly, we're not going, Oh, wow. Well, but that's what they're thinking. They're thinking with their head that we feel that way. So it's a lot of problems that porn is causing a lot of problems, mm-hmm. a lot. And that's why I wanted to write this book. I really need, I want men to like, love themselves. I want women to love themselves. I want children to be safe and not, you know, think that this is normal. We've got to come together as a world and as families and parents and at the least protect our children and be aware of not to fall into this trap. You know what I mean? That, that's why I write that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, like I said, it's such an important topic. Um, yeah. Now you are on Twitter. Um, what is your handle? Is it um, Jules Jade or? Um, it's uh, Jules Jade Media. Okay. And it's Jules Jade Media for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay. Excellent. So if anybody wants to connect with Jules, please do through her social media. Um, you can also contact me and I'll um, screen you. And if you make it past my screening, I might let you talk to her. <laughs> Aww, <that's nice. laughs> I am going to be very protective of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. And thank you everybody for listening and be sure to tune in next month, that whole month of July, we have independence day. We're celebrating with veterans on our show every Friday. So oh, wow. thank you all and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Follow Patty at Patty Catter on Facebook and Instagram. Get social. You can now watch Wake Up with Patty Catter on Amazon TV and Roku. It's the only podcast I listen to. Be sure to check out Patty's apparel line, The Patriotic Mermaid at thepatrioticmermaid.com and on social media at The Patriotic Mermaid. I love it.